Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Bitstamp. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Welcome to The Hash. I'm Zach Seward. I am here at Coindesk TV Studios for the first time. It's amazing. I'm in person. It's crazy. Hey, guys, on the internet, that's Will Foxley. It's Wendy O. It's Jensen Assey. Let's get this thing going. You're watching The Hash. It's where we get you caught up on all that's going on in the world of crypto. I think I have the first story today. You guys ready to talk about some stuff? Yeah? Okay, first story. Gaming NFTs are coming to Nifty Gateway. And I just want to talk about gaming NFTs, which, according to some on-chain data, are weathering the storm in the crypto markets quite nicely. So that is the story of the day. Nifty Gateway is doing this. Magic Eden is doing this. We've seen entire marketplaces such as Fractal from former Twitch co-founder Justin Kahn launch focused on the gaming NFT sector. And there may be a bit of resiliency in the gaming NFT space as the rest of the NFT world remains rather moribund. So I'm going to kick this to Will. Will, what are your thoughts on gaming NFT marketplaces, including this one? Oh, throw me the immutable X story to start off the day. That's not very nice of you. Okay, I remember when this story went out the door. I think it was like nine months ago. Might have been a year ago. Wow, time flies. The Immutable X launches platform. And, you know, they had the classic NFT play out there. They're talking about how this was carbon neutral, how it was great for the environment and alternative to Bitcoin mining and alternative to like all these sort of things that are out there. And it kind of floundered. I mean, GameStop and Immutable X actually teamed up together. And GameStop didn't believe in this token launch so much that they dumped the token on Immutable X. They dumped about $30 million worth of this token immediately once the token partnership was confirmed. And it was a confirmation between the two teams. It was a $100 million token transfer between uh, Immutable X and GameStop. So whenever I see Immutable X in the headlines, I'm sorry, but that's immediately where my mind goes. I'm thinking of the story where they pitch themselves as like this very PR savvy green alternative for a layer two solution for gaming. And then immediately GameStop said, eh, we're not super interested in what you're doing. We actually just want the cash. And so they did indeed cash out. That being said, get back to your original question here, Zach, like DeFi, NFTs, GameFi, all that stuff. It does seem to be bearing some weight during the, the bear market. Like people are actually still interested in this and for good reason, because people still like gaming. It's cool to see like these crypto adjacent sectors continue to survive. And maybe that's how Immutable X 
gets itself out of like this PR nightmare it's had over the last year or so. If, if this industry actually takes off, people actually care about games and they want to have NFTs incorporated in that and crypto incorporated in that, well, you know, there's a solid runway there. And it's much more solid and I think like a tangible runway than a lot of other projects out there. Like gaming makes sense. Gaming has been a dominant industry for 20, 30 years now, and it's only going to grow. So I think like in in gaming production with crypto really makes a lot of sense. Jen, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, so I took a little bit of a different direction on the story, and I first must disclose that I contribute to Web3 Gaming DAO and Immutable spoke at our event last week. I think reading the stats in this article and comparing them to how we were talking about how Web3 gamers were talking about NFTs just at this, the beginning of this year is starkly different, right? So the article said in September, Gods Unchained entered the top five collections by trading volume, generating over $18 million through its in-game assets. I remember earlier this year talking about how gamers were talking about NFTs at multiple different conferences, and they really didn't get it. And so I think that the gaming industry have been doing, and you know, take this with a grain of salt since I work in the gaming industry now, the gaming industry has, has been doing a good job at educating players about what owning their in-game assets mean through user experience. So not just telling them this is what you have to do and set up a wallet, but showing them that when they have these in-game assets, they can then set up a wallet, take it to different marketplaces, buy and trade. I think that this year has been really exciting for the gaming industry. Zach, I saw your hand go up. I just wanted to appreciate the low-key history corner that we got from Will. The recent history corner of crypto shenanigans is really why I throw it to Will often. But anyway, just want to put that in there. I saw Wendy's hand was up, so I'm tossing it to her. I think that this is, I guess, good news considering the type of market we're in. I know a lot of things aren't as exciting as they were when we were back in the bull market because everybody had the euphoria, the FOMO. But at the same time, it's going to be a struggle for the gaming community to get excited about NFTs because even with the current built outs with the NFT community and the products and the services, they're still not super easy to use. So until it's completely seamless, you don't really know that you're using an NFT. The experience was very similar to the previous experience. But the only difference is, is you actually get to own your in-game items. That's when we will see adoption with this. And that's when we will see the gamers actually get excited and not so hesitant against NFTs. There's still, you know, the interoperability piece that I think needs to be built out a bit further too. You know, making sure that one asset that you have in one ecosystem, whether it's Immutable X or I don't know, Polygon Studios, whatever you have, making sure that those two things can talk to each other in a way that makes that ownership meaningful, right? You know, we talk about some of these walled gardens that a lot of gaming ecosystems have. And I think the bad thing would be if we recreated a lot of those gaming uh, walled gardens just in the context of you know, different chains or different platforms that are supporting these NFTs. So I think the interoperability piece of this still remains a bit of a question mark and something that'll be really important for uh, furthering uh, the gaming NFT conversation. I'll kick it to you, Jen. What do you got? All right. So our next story is all about another attack. So an attacker has targeted wealthy crypto funds and exchanges using Telegram. So this person or persons were known as Dev0139. They joined several Telegram groups that are used by high-profile clients and exchanges to identify their targets. Then they posed as the target's employers, another employee of the target's exchange. They invited the target to a different chat group and then pretended to ask for feedback on how the exchange structures their fees. Then they sent this person a weaponized Excel sheet which contained accurate data on fee structures among exchanges, that Excel file initiated a series of activities, including using a malicious program to retrieve data. OKX, Quobi, and Binance were 
all targeted according to Microsoft's security intelligence team. And so a lot going on there. I think the takeaway from this story is that if you work for a high-profile crypto company, especially during the bear market, we need to be super careful about downloading documents and clicking on links. We can dive into that a little bit later, but Zach, I saw your hand go up. I just want to say wealthy crypto funds, they're just like us. They get spammed on Telegram too with all sorts of shady stuff and maybe should know a little bit better. But I think CZ was out here on Twitter sort of distilling this to its most pure takeaway. Don't download stuff from Telegram from someone that you just met and is pretending to be your friend by showing you the rates at which you can exchange assets on various crypto exchanges. Uh, trust but verify. Be a little bit skeptical when it comes to this stuff. Telegram has long been a hotbed of just annoying spam groups to outright scam attempts. So to be safe out there, you really do have to be a bit skeptical of some of these things and to be careful on a lot of these chat platforms. That to me is sort of the, the news you can use here is don't download shady documents from the internet. You never know what they might have, especially as it relates to crypto and crypto funds. That's my two cents. I'll sauce it down to Will. What do you got? Yeah, I'll go really quick, then hand it up to Wendy. I think you're totally spot on there in the comments from both Jen and Zach. And Telegram is the hotbed for all crypto scams, so it's not surprising to see them involved with this at all. And every year we have like a different iteration. Really, every like three months, we have a different iteration of some sort of attack. And this one, just pretty simple, like don't download something on your computer. Otherwise, it's very simple for that backend software to go in and like hack things around and mess stuff up. So be careful what you click on. Of course, I'm interested to see like what comes out of this. Hopefully nothing high profile. It was enough for Binance CEO CZ to tweet about it, however. So probably a pretty sophisticated attack if he was like sort of thinking about it. Wendy, up to you. So there's a setting on Telegram and you can actually go ahead and click it and it makes sure that you don't automatically download images that are sent to you that are in chats. I think that that's something important that everybody should use. I mean, you don't want to auto download anything. A file could be malicious. You want to be very careful what you're clicking on. Telegram is also a pretty hotbed for a lot of scary stuff. I rarely use it anymore. I don't like it anymore. Just lots of weird things happening. Also kind of important to note, this goes for if you've got a lot of money, no money, whatever it is in the middle. Would you accept candy from a stranger on the street? <laughs> would you? I no, wouldn't. So no. that's a, Will would. That, that's that a, makes sense. Depends <laughs> on the candy. <laughs> Trust your neighbor. That, that's the type of mindset I have going into these things is I try to apply the same way I would act with somebody in real life on the internet as I don't accept things from strangers I don't know. And I think that people should do the same, practice the same things on the internet. Do not accept random links or Excel spreadsheets from different people. I, what I, one of the tips that I do is I always ask people to send me a screen cap of what it looks like. And then I also send to my team so they can verify that it's not dangerous and scary. So be safe out there, guys. That's great advice, Wendy. I recently attended a security briefing for one of the DAOs I contribute to, and I left it with anxiety, just anxiety. I was like, oh no, this is bad. I don't know if I should have all of this power. I may click, I may download. But I think that the main thing is, is if you don't know, you can just forward it off to the IT department or the security department of wherever you're working, just have them verify or do a little bit of research. If you don't know who this is coming from and they claim to be someone who works where you work or one of your colleagues now that we're all working in kind of decentralized environments where, you know, someone could be your colleague and you've never spoken to them before, you've never seen them in person. Do a little bit of research before giving them the information they want and use secure passwords. That is one thing that I took away that I think a lot of people don't do. They think they're never going to get hacked, but just secure passwords. I saw someone's hand go up. So whoever, it was, I think it, it was, was me. you, Will. 
or, or it was Wendy. Okay. You guys really quick. It. I'm going to fight Will right now. I just want to say, use a burner phone, literally use a burner phone for like telegram discord. Anytime you're like interacting in chats, make sure it's not linked to any emails to you, et cetera. It keeps your stuff safe. And please, for the love of God, please stop keeping cryptocurrency on the cell phone that you use for day-to-day stuff or the computer you use for day-to-day stuff. It is just very dangerous. Will? Yeah, don't make yourself fraggable, I think is the story here. And I think this pairs well with the story from yesterday, right? We're talking about Ledger introducing its new device for storing crypto. And I think that's what everybody wants, right? Like you see stories like this and you're like, that's not going to affect me. That'll never happen, but it can happen to you. And then on top of that, it's becoming increasingly common and easy for these things to be developed. So they're going to hit more people all the time. So just in terms of like products out there, I think the one yesterday we talked about, maybe a little shill. I don't have it myself, but it looks like it's probably a pretty good solution for onboarding more people into self-custodying their own coins, get your coins off your exchanges. If we've learned anything from FTX, I think it is get your coins off exchanges and into self-custody if you can. And I think that this is a great story to remind you of it, right? This is the sort of thing that's happening out in the wilds of crypto. People are getting scammed on the telegram. They don't even know it's going to happen and it just does. So get your funds into self-custody. Times are tough, particularly for crypto. But Bitstamp's different. Bitstamp is the longest-running crypto exchange and among the most regulated in the world, which includes a bit license in New York and a payment institution license in Europe. And when it comes to your funds, with Bitstamp, your crypto belongs to you. All your fiat and crypto are kept 100% separated. It's why Crypto Compare ranked Bitstamp the number one crypto exchange, awarding them the highest possible AA rating. Learn more at bitstamp.net. It looks like we have a very, very special guest. So our next guest is onboarding mainstream companies into Web3 and working with brands that range from KFC to Crocs. And I actually love both of those brands, so I'm excited. Joining us to discuss Vayner3 is President Avery Akinini. So Avery, happy to chat with you. Happy to chat with you. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to join you all on Coindesk. So you and Gary were both named to Coindesk's most influential list this year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So honored. And the uh, incredible visual done by Ravi is inspiring. It was super cool and surreal to have such an honor. So thank you all uh, for making that happen. Awesome. So you say that corporate America still has a crypto appetite. What are clients telling you? Yeah. So from where we're sitting, there's a lot of curiosity and interest coming from fortune companies. We see an influx of curiosity and wanting to learn more and wanting to understand, even in the wake of some challenging situations over the last couple of months. So I'm actually at the Ledger Open right now in Paris, and there are quite a few big uh, publicly traded companies in attendance, curious to learn more and curious to wrap their heads around what they can do to ready themselves for the next generation of marketing, consumer engagement, financial freedom. So uh, in spite of a few things kind of slowing down, especially from an immediate commercialization perspective, what we see at Vayner is a lot of companies are very curious, wanting to learn more, explore, experiment, and of course, do so in a safe, secure way that kind of sets them up for this next iteration of the internet. I have two questions for you. The first one is that we are looking for a taco sponsor here on The Hatch. (laughs) And so maybe it's not a question, but I'm just putting it out there. If you know any taco sponsors that would like to come on board and do something with us. We are all I love that. We're manifesting Taco Bell. (laughs) We're manifesting some type of big, delicious um, eatery. Chipotle, maybe. We'll even take KFC. We'll take KFC. We love chicken sandwiches as well. Okay, great. We just love food here. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So here's my my real question for you. Something I've pondered a lot when I think about brands, uh, mainstream brands getting into Web3. We saw a lot of experimenting during the bull market, right? And it felt like uh, a lot of brands were buying into the hype. I love the hype. I have some Bored Ape Yacht Club M&Ms on the shelf behind me. But when we think about uh, long term here uh, and past the hype, how are you talking to brands about incorporating NFTs, incorporating crypto into their always on marketing strategies? And what I mean by that are, you know, campaigns that live all year, that live beyond the hype. Can you kind of give us some insight into that? Yeah, absolutely. I think we will continue to see a lot of experimentation coming from big companies uh, in 2023 and 2024 as they understand what Web3 can really do for them that improves experience. But the biggest thing that I think we'll see is sort of embedded as is always on layer is a couple of things. First is loyalty. Loyalty programs have existed forever since the days of punch cards and you know pen and paper, right? And of course, that's evolved a lot in Web2. But we see loyalty as a major thing that's driving brand interest into this world. Whether you're talking about something like Starbucks Odyssey or what Reddit's doing with their collectible avatars to re-engage their existing communities, I think we'll see a lot of that from sort of an always-on perspective. And the second thing I think we'll continue to see develop is brands developing these almost like sub-companies, the standalone businesses. In the world of fashion, we see this. Nike acquired Artifact. I anticipate that we'll see some more acquisitions where there are almost these Web3 native teams designing digital first products and experiences that can operate as sort of a year-round thing. Uh, Porsche just announced they are going to be launching their first ever NFT collection. And they you know, hired a bunch of people internally, a really great group there. Uh, looking to sort of build this out as an always-on strategy. And I think we'll continue to see uh, a couple of big companies experimenting in that direction, really committing with an always-on team, always-on strategy, and the agility that you need to succeed in web one, two, three, four, or five, right? Like marketing's all about agility. Every business is all about change. Hey, everybody, it's Zach here. I think you, you, know, you alluded to sort of ideas around loyalty and ways for NFTs to be a new vehicle for that. I mean, if you look at NFT volumes, right, like they're in the dumps right now, right? November 22, this past month, on Ethereum at least, saw like the lowest trading volume in terms of NFTs, like on record, right? So clearly we're sort of, if we go back to the Gardner hype cycle, right, we're clearly past, you know, the, the moment of heightened expectations. We're definitely in the trough of disillusionment. In your view, what does sort of that plateau of productivity look like for NFTs, whether it's loyalty, utility, or something else that we haven't even discussed? What do you think these look like uh, when they've, again, reached that plateau and are here for the long haul? I think the amount of trading volume here, commercialization standpoint that we saw last year may not ever happen again. But the future of NFTs is not necessarily just in high-value trading collectibles. That's one market, and that's a super specific market of people who are buying, selling, trading NFTs all the time. We had a massive bull run last year. But when you mention like NFT volumes are down, it depends what you're looking at. If you're looking at number of new unique wallets, if you're looking at um, number of new customers engaging, I think that's a different story. Polygon has probably been the poster child here of onboarding massive companies with to their technology and doing so in a way that's really scalable. Whether you're talking about the DraftKings or the Reddits or you know more recently Salesforce's announcements, these are going to be almost invisible layers that are not as hyper-commercialized as what you saw in that chart. The future of, of mainstream NFTs is not in the thousands. It's in the one to $5 range or free as a mechanism to engage consumers. So at Vayner, you know, just last week, we did several different activations during Miami's Art Basel Week. 
And the majority of those were actually free as a way for brands to engage their consumers, onboard new people in a way that's fun and friendly, and not so focused on speculative investing. Avery, thanks for joining. I want to ask about the new show that you're doing with Coindesk Generation C. Uh, looks like it's a pretty cool intro into how marketing and how people in the marketing world think about crypto and how we bring adoption to everyone else. And that's something Jen loves bringing up on the show all the time. So I want to get your insights into it. What does Gen Z speak to? Who's the audience? Who's going to listen to this? It looks like it's going to be a pretty big show. And I think Jen's going to listen to it. I have a good feeling about it. I will. Jen, give us a yeah, listen. Think, Rate right. us five stars, please. <laughs> I will for sure. Um, yeah, so I think Generation C is uh, designed for marketers and folks in the business world who are curious about all of this stuff that's happening. Maybe they're not into this themselves, but they understand the cultural relevance component of this sort of new Gen Z, Gen Alpha, who is growing up in a digital first world. They're growing up with digital currency being the norm. They're growing up with digital assets being the norm. So marketers are curious. They want to hear what, how companies are navigating this type of thing. So myself, along with Sam Ewan, are hosting Generation C on a weekly basis. I think we have 13 episodes. Today, we're going to have a very special guest, the co-founder of DraftKings, Matt Kalish, will be joining us. We've had the CMO of Vista. We've had um, a number of very exciting guests. And we've got a really amazing slate of marketers lined up. And what we're looking to do is uh, unpack for marketers what's real in this world, what's working, and what are the opportunities to take forward as enterprises and big companies and big brands look to build their Web3 strategy. So Generation C is all about getting insights of these this sort of new emerging audience and how brands are finding success and, and you know navigating challenges as they look to uh, engage those folks from a marketing perspective. Love it. Love it. Well, let's jump off to the next story. Avery, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Check her out on Gen C. It's a new podcast on the Coindesk Podcast Network. So check it out there. Avery, thank you again. Well, let's move over to our last story for the day. We got to check in on all the contagion, what's happening there. Wouldn't it be a hash show if we didn't talk about it at least a little bit. We're checking in with the Three Arrows Capital guys. Remember them back in May where they kind of rugged like a bunch of people? Well, we're still hearing from them. Uh, we got a little more information that looks like New York courts are looking for more information on the whereabouts of the money. We also know that the creditors and the liquidators for 3AC are also looking for some funds. Zach, I want to throw this one up to you. We only have a second, so I'll get a quick recap and take on the 3AC saga. Where's the boat, man? That's all I want to know. Where's the much wow? Can we get the much wow? Can I get an update on the much wow? Come on. The mega yacht is out there somewhere. We need to know where the boat is. That's all I'm talking about. But yeah, I mean, I think this is a good reminder that the courts do not move at the speed of crypto, right? So we're here processing the latest round of bankruptcies, FTX, BlockFi, that are also going to enter into a protracted and drawn-out process of creditors seeking funds, right? So this is a good reminder that these things drag on for a long time before people are made whole. And I think 3AC, people who are invested in 3AC, are still definitely looking for that closure. And we could see many a headline like this about the FTX bankruptcy process going forward. So yeah, good reminder that these things take a while to get sorted out. And yeah, I mean, the 3AC thing is certainly not been resolved. And I think if you look at what has unfolded since, a lot of the pain that we're feeling now stems from some of the pain that was initially inflicted by 3AC taking on some risky bets. I don't know. I just want to know where the boat is. Wendy, thoughts? Where's the boat? Um, I want to know where the boat is because I think we could do like community meetup. That would be, and the boat should be given back to the community. <laughs> but anyways, wouldn't it be so cool if we had a global crypto, Bitcoin, NFT task force that just gave 
laws and regulations on a global scale so that we can expedite these types of court cases and you know come to a resolution a lot faster. Because let's face it, a lot of these people, they have to register for their businesses out of the country. And it just makes it very complicated for anybody to get their restitution or anything back. So just a thought. I want to know where Suzu and Kyle Davies are. Do we know where they are? I think Davies recently said he was in Bali and they were cooperating with liquidators. I think the subpoena would say differently. Why do we need to subpoena them if they are cooperating? I don't know. I think I also recently read that a liquidator said, despite what they have been saying, they have actually only spoken to them one time. So I, I am just waiting at the edge of my seat. All right. For another day, we'll see if we can find where in the world. All right. That's it for the show today. Thanks for being here. We have a special message for you. We've been talking about this most influential stuff. There's this really cool set of 14 NFTs that came along with most influential when that dropped this week. And they're being auctioned right here on Coinbase NFT. Looks like you've got maybe about a day left to act. You're going to get all sorts of stuff with this thing. You get a ticket to consensus this year. You get an airdrop of the desk Ooh. token. That's the participation token Ooh. for consensus. And there's also Fancy. some desk functionality on Coindesk.com now, so check that out. A lot of cool things Ooh. here. Definitely some cool art in addition to some sweet, sweet utility. Check it out. It's over at Coinbase NFT. Coindesk Would make a good holiday gift. Would make a great holiday mm-hmm. gift for NFT collectors near you. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Zach, Jen, Wendy, Will. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 